really organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. Okay, so who's in hot water this week? I know, your first guess, Brian Adams. He was supposed to kick off a residency at London's Royal Albert Hall yesterday, but because of the coronavirus, of course, just like everything else, those dates have been delayed indefinitely. So Brian Adams was irritated by that and took to social media, as one does, and promptly stuck just everything in his mouth. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth I mean, you can go to his Instagram page and read what he wrote. I don't know if it's really worth delving back into it because with their pitchforks yep. and their wheelbarrows, whatever people carry with pitchforks, <laughs> they came out in droves and said uh, that Brian Adams' statement is uh, both uh, xenophobic and racist. We do need to read the statement. I've got, I'm going to read the statement here. Quote, thanks to some effing bat-eating, wet market animal selling, virus-making, greedy bastards, the whole world is now on hold. My message to them, other than thanks an effing lot, is to go vegan. There we have it. Ugh. Yeah. Speaking of the backlash you're talking about, people with their pitchforks and, of course, wheelbarrows and torches, uh, Alexander Kwan, Canadian journalist, he said, Brian Adams did a racism. Kind of like that one, short and sweet. Uh, somebody else at Rax King is dead. Uh, anybody have Brian Adams' racist meltdown on the 2020 is a hot mess pool? Uh, a guy named uh, at my name's not... Gordy. So his name's not Gordy. Apparently Just so not. we're clear. That's right. So what you're saying, if I understand correctly, is that all of this is really inconvenience Brian Adams. Well, I'm sure all the sick and dying common folks around the world will sympathize with you for your loss. The struggle is real for Brian Adams. You might have noticed a little bit of sarcasm in there. And finally, at Go Like Hell Matchy said Brian Adams desperately needs to regain the effing worst trophy from Ryan Adams after years of fierce competition. It's a scene, man. Yeah. Now, I don't and know. I also if... feel bad for the Royal Albert Hall, who Brian Adams tagged in his original post and now is one of those people that gets all these are looped into their mentions <laughs> now. And they're like, why am I waking up, Mr. Royal Albert Hall PR social media guy? Am I yeah. waking up to have. Right. 17,000 mentions that I have to filter through. I don't know if we have an update. Oh, yes, we do. Today, Brian Adams apologized for the Instagram post. He said, and I quote, to any and all that took offense to this post, classic, classic start to an apology, non-apology. Quote, no excuse. I just wanted to have a rant about the horrible animal cruelty in these wet markets being the possible source of the virus and promote veganism. I have love for all people, and my thoughts are with everyone dealing with this pandemic around the world. I like the apology for one reason, specifically. It's exactly what it says it is, and that's an apology to the people who were offended. It's an I'm sorry you were offended. Of course, it's classic. Because he didn't take down his post. No. It's still sitting there. Sure. So that's after the apology has gone out. Yeah. So he's saying, I'm not sorry for what I said. I'm sorry you were offended. Yeah. Just once, just one time in my life. Can someone please just double down on what they've done once they're called on it? Have the guts to do it. It when happens. You, when you take the time to write something and post it, and you don't immediately, three seconds later, go back and delete it because, ah, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. If it sits there and incubates for hours and hours, mm -hmm. you've meant to post this. This is how you feel. So just stand by it. People are going to stick by you. That post has 35,000 plus likes. There's 2,000 plus comments on it that mm -hmm. are mostly attacking Brian Adams. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like a YouTube video. There's the thumbs up and the thumbs down. You know, yeah. sometimes you don't hit everybody and get a thumbs up. Sometimes you say some things, you do some things, 
is get people upset. But everyone's entitled to their viewpoint. I'm not mad that Brian Adams thinks this way. I don't like Summer of 69 any more or less today than I did yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, you are who you are. You showed your true colors. Do you have any (laughs) problem? Jerry once said to George, well, you showed him your true colors. (laughs) Okay. R.I.P. Jerry Stiller. Well, it's been a couple weeks now since we heard from Jethro Tull leader Ian Anderson, the one-legged flautist. Yes. (laughs) I've been waiting with bated breath for more. You know, if you've been wondering to yourself, does he still do that at the age of 72? Because he's got these famously acrobatic performances uh, where he, uh, well, number one, stands on one leg, but does a lot of other things with his flute. He says that he has a incurable lung disease. He was talking with Dan Rather on Dan Rather's Access TV program. This is what he had to say. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody in public before. And since, um, since it's you, I will choose this moment to say I'm suffering from an incurable lung disease with which I was diagnosed a couple of years back. And I do um, struggle. I have what are called exacerbations, periods when you know, I get an infection that turns into severe bronchitis and I have maybe two or three weeks of really really a tough job to go out there on stage and play. Fingers crossed I've gone 18 months now without an exacerbation. I'm on medication. I, if I'm kept in a reasonably pollution-free environment in terms of air quality, I do okay. But I, my days are numbered. You know, it's, um, it's not yet at the point that um, affects my day-to-day life. I can still run for the bus. What is the prognosis? Fight it all the way. So keep using as much of your lung power as you're lucky enough to have. Push it to the limits all the time. The minute you sort of settle back and say, oh, I can't do this anymore, it's, it's a slippery slope. I have a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, being the journalist that he is, Dan Rather followed up and said, well, what's this thing called? because he's very cryptic in that statement. And he said, oh, it's uh, known as COPD, which is a very common lung condition. Culminary, pulmonary, obstruct, no. Chronic. Yep. Obstructive. Obstructive pulmonary disease. That's right. Thank you very much. So that's apparently what I'm he's dealing with. I'm down with COPD. Yeah, you know me. See what I did there with yeah. the lyrics and the song. Sure. He says he's still okay to run around on stage, uh, although it's tough some nights, to stand on one leg. I would imagine for any 72-year-old, it's going to be tough to stand on one leg and play the flute. Now, he's part flamingo. He can do it. My second thing is, apparently Ian Anderson made a good living with Jethro Tull, still tours, taking the bus. That's what he seemed to indicate there. That's, that's what he said. Not only yeah. taking, but driving the bus. Uh, I took away two things from the interview. Okay. One, Ian Anderson definitely is in his 70s because he dresses like it. Yeah, if wearing, you see the picture. Wearing that vest that you may or not be just ready to go fishing with. Yeah. You know? Uh, and two, I'm shocked at how little of an accent he has. I expected more. I haven't heard Ian Anderson talk in a while, so I just expected a, a more thicker accent, but it's barely there anymore, which is weird to me because he you know, still lives in the UK. You could tell he's British, but you, know, you hear some people talk, like Brian May, and it's just so thick still. I don't know if your hearing ports are working well. Listen. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody in public before and since... Uh... So what your point is, less I, of a British accent. I expected more accent. Okay. That's what uh, I expected. Noted. If I would have said, whose voice is that? Wouldn't have been Ian Anderson. Would you have said that's a Brit? Yes. Okay. I can hear a British accent, but I expected more. Well, I think he got his point across then. Finally, if you happen to have a million dollars or so, you have the opportunity to buy the acoustic guitar that Kurt Cobain used in the MTV Unplugged performance. Yeah, so this is the 1959 Martin D18E, 
and the uh, case that went along with it bought a voltage guitar in L.A. that Cobain used at the MTV Unplugged performance. This is considered uh, one of the two holy grail items from that performance. The other is Kurt Cobain's sweater, which sold uh, somewhat recently for about $334,000 yeah. U.S. at auction. This item, expected to fetch more than three times that amount as its starting bid, is $1 million for an auction that will take place June 19th and 20th for Julian's auctions in Beverly Hills, California. Well, first of all, guitars, collector's items, Martin guitars happen to be fantastic guitars, so I can, I can believe that it would command three times as much as that moth-infested sweater that he was wearing. But uh, wow. I'd rather have the sweater. You can't wear a guitar. Would you wear the sweater or would you just hang? Because this is all for hanging up and displaying. I for sure would put the sweater on at least once. Just to get your stink on it. You know, just to say I yeah. did. You Leave know? some DNA. Why? I mean, why wouldn't you spend all this money on a sweater? A sweater's meant to be worn. Yeah. Why wouldn't you wear it one time before well, you put it behind plate glass and shadow box it so you never uh, are able to put it on again? If you've ever watched Pawn Stars, you don't want to mess with the patina. The value to me is as a sweater. You'd be <laughs> and a I want to wear it. You'd be a terrible collector. I just, they have a whole bunch of stuff at this auction for, uh, for it's up for grabs, including uh, Prince's 1984 Blue Cloud guitar, a page of Paul McCartney's handwritten lyrics for Maxwell's Silver Hammer. People love to own handwritten lyrics. If you won that, would you want to do some of your own writing on it as well before you frame well, it? Well, no, it's not a clean piece of paper. <laughs> It's already been written on. So it's, like, it's like a piece of art, right? I, I don't see. want to add a kitten to it. Okay. Jim Morrison's Paris Journal filled with his thoughts and poems. And no, I'm not going to take the last page and write my own thoughts and poems because it's Jim Morrison's okay. journal, not mine. I mean, I, it's mine now. I don't see the difference between that and your sweater theory. But Michael Jackson's Black Loafers are up for auction. <laughs> <laughs> and I would definitely Please. put them on and attempt the moonwalk. Yeah. And don't moon. say you wouldn't do that either. That I might do. Exactly. And, of course, the holy grail for collectors of movie memorabilia is ruby red slippers from uh, The Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you put those on and you could squeeze into those, would you do the heel click on of that? Of course. Why yeah. wouldn't you? have got them on already. You know what? I'm kind of seeing a little bit of your logic there. Incidentally, I finally, over the weekend, saw The Doors, the Oliver Stone movie. Have you seen it? Uh, I've never seen it. God-awful it's movie. It's never been on a list of, like, great movies, so I never have watched it, and I've never been an amazing fan of The Doors to say, well, i got to see this. Yeah. Well, first of all, Val Kilmer, one of my favorite actors, and he was fantastic in the movie, but if the real Jim Morrison was anything like this movie portrayed him, you would want to slap him silly constantly. What an annoying man he would have been if he was the guy that they had portrayed in the movie. He might have been the guy that they portrayed in the movie. That's entarily possible. The point is, but Kurt Cobain, sweater... Just imagine me as Jeff Bridges as the Big Lebowski walking around in Kurt Cobain's sweater. You know what? You would go to a Halloween party as the Big Lebowski wearing that sweater. I'd let my hair down, too. Yeah, Right? You yeah. got the hair for it. Okay. How about this for memorabilia? You can get a cake topper from Slash's wedding reportedly featuring Slash's actual hair. Mm. That's, not, that's not I love more. I know it's cake. It's a wedding cake. Yeah. But... Can we keep our hair away from that cake? When you send me the story, I just immediately think of the scene from Revenge of the Nerds when Takeshi says, hair pie. That's, That's a different where my thing. mind went. Look, okay. It's pie, cake, they're both desserts, they're both delicious. Well, you know, this is it. what I end up for with. For sure. So. Well, it's for sale on eBay. It's at $3,000 right now. The cake topper, I say. October 2019 letter from Julianne's Auction certifies that the cake topper is from Slash's 2001 wedding to Perla, 
Uh, they were divorced a couple of years ago. Here's the uh, quote. Lot 112 is a sculpted plastic wedding cake topper, custom fitted with top hat, veil, and hair to represent Slash and Perla. We are herein stating in writing that when Perla Hudson consigned this property to Julianne's auctions, she indeed told us that the hair on the cake topper belonged to Slash. So just so we're clear, not only are you getting Slash's hair, but you're getting Perla's as well? I guess. I don't know. All I know is that I'm going to post the photo along with this, and it's horrifying. It might as well be a doll head, like from Toy Story, with one eye missing. It's horrifying. The only thing that it's missing for horror factor is shaved off hair, but that would defeat the purpose. I look at this thing, and I agree with you completely. The problem is they have this hair glued on, and it's all disheveled. But the figures already had hair, so they've glued hair on top of hair. Uh-huh. It looks ridiculous. You'd think if you had the money that Slash did, he could afford some better figurines. I was just going to say, and I don't know Get how... Get Todd McFarlane to make some for you. I mean, I can only imagine being a cake topper that this thing isn't all that big. So when you zoom in like this, it looks horrific. But this thing may only be an inch tall, which means that getting the hair on it, especially real Slash hair, not an easy thing to do. But it looks like like there's stuff in that hair. It looks like there's been a, an explosion of substances into that hair. Slash has his own action figure. It looks incredible. Whatever the opposite word of incredible is, Mm -hmm. that's what this looks like. Yeah. I don't think money would have been the issue at that point. I just... uh, Sheer laziness? Is Is that the issue? (laughs) I don't know. Or was this this just Perla's doing and she like snipped off some of Slash's hair in the night and made this herself at her craft table? I'm just trying to remember the timeline. About 20 years ago, was Slash still wigged out on drugs and alcohol? I can't remember. I read his biography. 50-50? Yeah. Well, this is a horrifying, horrifying thing, especially to put anywhere near food, even though wedding cake, that's eh, debatable. You don't really eat the wedding cake. It's more for show. Yeah, well, It's got still... all that uh, fondant on it. You can't eat that. Yeah. It's pure sugar. Well, Nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, you'll see what that looks like. That is the classic Rock Files, 94.3 The Drive, music director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.